0: Well, it all starts 37 chapters into the first book of the Bible, the rapidly moving book of Genesis. It's the story of Joseph. He's the son of Jacob and Rachel. He's one of 12 brothers and a seldom mentioned sister named Dinah. His brothers were jealous of the fact that Joseph's, that he was. Uh, that Joseph was his dad's favorite. And so in part one of our series, earlier in the summer, we saw how Joseph was cast into the pit of adversity. Part two was when he was lifted from the pit, sold into slavery. He later emerged in the house of Potiphar and served there with distinction. The problem was Joseph caught the eye of the boss's wife. She tried to seduce him, and in part three, we saw how Joseph thrived even in temptation. That takes us to Genesis 39, beginning in verse 14, where we now find Joseph in prison. Verse 14 and following says that she, speaking of Potiphar's wife, called unto the men of the house, and spoke unto them, saying, See He, speaking of Potiphar, has brought a Hebrew in unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid, verse 16, kind of points out Potiphar's wife's manipulative spirit here. And she laid up his garment by her until his lord, the boss, came home. And she spoke unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which you brought in unto us came in to mock me. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and has fled. It came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke unto him, saying, After this manner did your servant unto me, that his wrath was kindled. The, the anger of Potiphar was kindled. Verse 20, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did there Joseph was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with Joseph and that which he did. The Lord made it to prosper. Interesting how a coat got him in trouble with his brothers, and here another garment is used as evidence against him. He had resisted the pull of temptation, even though every opportunity was presented to him. Somehow he maintained his integrity. He walked in purity. And still, he found himself on the short end of the deal. It has been said, no good deed goes unpunished. And we can feel that way as we look back at earlier portions of chapter 39 as Potiphar's wife relentlessly pursued Joseph. Verse 8 says, But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master knows not what's with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has into my hand. There's none greater in the house than I, neither has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How can I then do this great wickedness and sin against God? Verse 11 says, It came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house and there was nobody else in the house, verse 12, she caught him by his garment and said, lie with me. He left his garment in her hand and fled, the Bible says, and he got him out. Sometimes you can do everything right and still have problems. I guess that's a lesson for us to learn here. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the troubles of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. 1 Peter 2, 21 tells us that the believer can expect to suffer. It says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered, leaving for us, an example, that we should follow his steps. Remember Job's friends? He had three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Three good names. They came to comfort him, and they did really well until they opened their mouth and began to speak. From that moment on, they did their best to convince Job that his his trials were the result of sin in his life. They wanted to equate sin with suffering. And that's just not always the case. It wasn't with Job, and it wasn't with Joseph either. Sometimes you can do everything right and still have problems. So let's look at Joseph's circumstances this morning. As we last left Joseph a couple weeks ago, he was being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of rape after he had refused her advances. But the circumstantial evidence had piled up against him. And life for Joseph was about to change. So, so what changed as far as his circumstances? Well, certainly his location changed. The impression that we get is that he had a comfortable existence in the house of Potiphar. Now, he's in prison. And make no mistake, this is a prison. This isn't Martha Stewart on house arrest. (laughs) Suffering with just basic cable. This is a dungeon. Verse 20 says, Joseph was put into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners are bound. Did did you catch that? Prisoners were bound there. Joseph was probably chained up, at least initially. It was designed to be a miserable existence. There was the clank of the shackle, the stench of the dank, musty, sweaty dungeon. It was most likely a dark, windowless, sunless hole. Joseph's location had changed, and not for the better. And his job had changed. He had been a servant in Potiphar's house. He had been there at least long enough to find favor and work his way up the ladder to a place of trusted influence. He was, at the very least, a leader of the servants, and he may well have been some sort of a a family friend. Like Mr. French on Family Affair. <laughs> that dates me, I know. Every indication is he would have had at least comfortable quarters, plenty to eat. He he was not in the house of Potiphar, he was not free in every sense of the word, but he was probably not miserable either. And his work was at least pleasant, he was a manager. He most likely was not saddled with manual labor, but was allowed to delegate the work to others of lower rank, lower position. Now, his job had changed. What else changed for Joseph? His associates changed. Prior to this, he was hanging around Potiphar and Potiphar's wife and Potiphar's family, the men of Potiphar's house and the other servants. Now the circle he was running with was much different. Now he was with prisoners and criminals and rebels and 'er ne'er-do-wells. That's right, 'er ne'er-do-wells. Prison guards, the keeper of the prison. In a very short period of time, almost an instant, life had changed in a number of ways for Joseph. He didn't do anything to deserve it. It was simply the hand he was dealt. Now He was left to make the best of. What would he do? Would he curl up in the fetal position and lament his fate? Or would he find a way to bloom where he was planted? Life is a is a funny thing. We can prepare for the future and try and be ready for what life brings. But life still comes up with events and circumstances that catch even the most well-ordered and well-organized person off guard. We all know people who thought they would work for a company for the rest of their career only to be victim of a layoff or a downsizing or a closure. Others thought they would spend their entire life with the spouse of their youth only to come home to find a note in an empty closet. For others, it was a call from the doctor that changed everything. The disease you always heard about in reference to someone else would now become a regular part of the conversation at home. The things we assume will always be there can be snatched away at a moment's notice. It's all way more tenuous then we realize. Your life can change dramatically with the next ring of your phone. And yet there are some things no one can take away from us. In an ever-changing world, some things don't have to change. Now, lots had changed for Joseph, his location, his job, his friends. But what didn't change? Well, Joseph's character, for one. He was the same guy in Potiphar's house as he was in prison. He was the same guy before he was falsely accused as he was after. He was the same guy before adversity and he was the same guy in adversity. He was the same guy in comfort and the same guy in hardship. The abrupt changes. The dramatic demotion, the unfair treatment, the false accusation. Though it was all very difficult, and though it was all very painful, and though it affected Joseph's circumstances, it could not seep into his heart. Joseph refused to, to see himself as defeated. He chose instead to see each new struggle as a challenge. He viewed each day as a gift from God. He chose to see life as a road to run, a journey to travel, and a test to take. Joseph recognized his circumstances had changed, but his character didn't have to. And despite adversity, despite change, despite injustice and trial, Joseph could still sing God's praises. It reminds me of a story of a missionary that I've I've told before. But it was it was a missionary that was that was moving into a country that resisted the gospel, preaching the gospel was, was illegal. And he was entering the country, he was at the border, at the checkpoint, and it was all turning out very different than, than he had anticipated. He had two trunks full of Bibles, and he was in line at the checkpoint, and the guard was searching everyone's luggage. And it sent a chill down his spine. He broke into a cold sweat, and he began to pray. He says, God, I don't know what's going what's gonna to happen here. This isn't the way I thought it was going to be. One by one, he made his way toward the, the checkpoint. Everyone in front of him was searched. Their luggage was searched. Their person was searched. And he didn't know what he was going to do. He knew that he could be imprisoned. He knew that he could be executed. Finally, he was next. And as he stepped up to the checkpoint, there was a changing of the guard. The old guard left. A new guard came. And the new guard treated the missionary as though he had already been searched. He makes his way through the checkpoint, and he can hardly believe it. When he gets out of sight of the guard, he begins to sing. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider thrown into the sea. The Lord's my God, my strength, my song. And in that moment, he says the Lord spoke to him. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was an impression upon his spirit. And the Lord said to him in that moment, why couldn't you sing on the other side of the checkpoint? Why couldn't you sing on the other side of the answer? Why couldn't you trust me while you were still in line? Joseph found a way to sing, even in the prison of his circumstances. Lots had changed in Joseph's life, but not his character. Now another thing that hadn't changed was God's unfailing presence in Joseph's life. He was tossed into the huskow, according to verse 21, but it also says the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph before he was falsely accused, and he was with him after he was falsely accused. God was in the prosperity of Potiphar's house, and God was in the despair of the prison. And the same can be said of your circumstances. But why do we suffer, we ask? The answer is elusive and often pat. Is it a consequence of our sin that we find ourselves here? It can be, but not always. Perhaps, why do we suffer? Perhaps it's God's way of strengthening you. Maybe he's using your trials to infuse iron into your soul. Maybe you're being tried in the refiner's fire. You're being purged of impurities and the dross that weakens the temper of the steel and lessens the value of the gold. You're being forged into the man or the woman of God who he can use for his glory. Or perhaps you're being held up by God as an example of how to deal with adversity Maybe there are eyes watching you, perhaps young eyes. And they're taking note. Hear me, church. They're taking note of how you handle life, who you blame when things go bad, and observing how adversity affects your relationship with God and your relationship with others. Your testimony, don't forget, shines brightest in your darkest hour. Maybe there are people listening as you sing on this side of the answer. Perhaps there are people watching you as you praise God while the outcome of your trial still hangs in the balance. Maybe you're trusting God and maybe, just maybe, He's trusting you. The Lord was with Joseph before, the Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph after. God is unchanging and constant. It's us that can be shaken. Adversity can drive us to God, or adversity can drive us from God. The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. It either makes you better or it makes you bitter. And that, my friend, is up to you. So some things have changed for Joseph. And some things had not. And yet somehow, even in prison, Joseph prospers. Verse 22 of chapter 39 says, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. You really have to think about this. And whatsoever they did there, the prisoners, Joseph was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. Because the Lord was with Joseph. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Now, we've we've seen this before, right? This is a rerun. Just like Potiphar, the keeper of the prison, entrusts the entire operation to Joseph. We have to ask ourselves, why do they do that? Perhaps it was Joseph's exemplary character and his unassailable attitude. Joseph repeatedly finds favor. Let's go back to the very beginning of our story. And remember that Joseph found favor with his dad, Jacob. Jacob bought Joseph a special coat, the coat of many colors. And the Bible records nothing about a purchase for the rest of the brothers. Joseph was highly Favored. Joseph also found tremendous favor with Potiphar, who had purchased him as a slave. Joseph, you remember, rose quickly in the house of his master, and soon he, he was the keeper of all that Potiphar had. And we cannot deny that Joseph found favor with Mrs. Potiphar. She longed for him, lusted for him, and her unmet desires led to false accusations and the imprisonment of Joseph Unjustly, But even here, in the depths of the dungeon, somehow Joseph finds favor in the eyes of the keeper of the prison, according to verse 21. Later in our story, a couple of weeks from now, we'll see how Joseph finds favor with Pharaoh himself. He will rise to second only to Pharaoh in authority. And power in the great and powerful land of Egypt. There was something about Joseph. There was something about the way Joseph carried himself. There was something about the attitude that he exuded that appealed to the people around him. Now, too often, we blame others for the fact that we didn't find favor. You hear me, church? Too often, we blame others for the fact that we didn't find favor. We didn't get the job. We didn't get the promotion or somehow get the answer that we hoped for. But maybe we're simply reaping what we have sown. Think of it this way. There are people who walk into the room and others are attracted to them. There are They are the people others want to be around. And then there are others who bring negativity, criticism, pessimism, and heaviness into the room. Now I'm just telling you, those are not the people who find favor. That's not who I want to hire. That's not who I want to hang out with. The purveyors of gloom and doom are not who I want to invest in, spend time with, and draw from. Yes, it's true. Some people are highly favored but I'm a big believer, you make your own favor. They aren't lucky, they made their own luck. They fought and they scratched and they worked and they kept doing the things that put them in a position to get the answer they wanted and one day, it fell their way. In the meantime, scores of people gave up. Tons of people quit. The masses begged out. The majority of the people threw in the towel. They'd had enough. There are a lot of quitters. Anybody can give up. There are a dime a dozen. And in many cases, now think about this. In many cases, they will never know what they missed out on. But what if they'd stuck with it? Like Joseph in prison. What if they had learned to bloom where they were planted. The one who's favored, the one who is favored, doesn't just stumble into it. They seize the opportunities presented to them. They put in the work. They hustled. They studied and pursued. And as a teacher, I taught for three years. As a teacher, I had a few students who got straight A's. I remember one time when the class had written reports and as I read off the grades, including the star pupils A, the class groaned because she got another stellar grade. And I reacted by reading the paper pointing out how the straight A student did absolutely everything I asked of the class and did it with excellence. She understood the assignment, she did the work, and reaped Exactly what she had sown. She did not find favor, she earned it. And that's usually how it is. Don't think for a minute that Joseph is stumbling around in total oblivion and somehow randomly finding favor in the eyes of his employers and co workers. This guy has an attitude that attracted favor, a work ethic that got him noticed, and character that inspired trust. Did you ever notice how some people get all the breaks? Maybe that's no coincidence. Have you ever noticed that for certain people, nothing ever goes their way? Maybe that's not a coincidence either. Joseph was in prison unjustly and yet somehow, even in prison, Joseph prospered. Now, success was due to Joseph's mindset. Joseph had a healthy mindset for adversity. He trusted God to do his part and Joseph worked hard to do his own part. He focused on what he needed to do so he used his circumstances to learn and to grow. Maybe today, God is using Joseph's story to remind us we need to be faithful despite our circumstances. If you're in a dead-end job, be faithful in it while you look for a new one. If the promotion is long in coming, be faithful in the prison cell and eventually your day will come. If you don't have much money, be faithful with what you do have. If you're struggling on the home front or in your prayer life or wherever you find yourself today, if you feel stuck, if you feel like you're going nowhere fast, if you feel bound by the past and trapped in your circumstances, remember Joseph and be faithful in the prison cell. You may not always get a fair shake and life may not always go your way. But you can still be faithful. And even if no one else ever notices, know this God notices. Martin Luther King Jr. said if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted. As Beethoven composed composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry, he should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and all the hosts of earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. We need to learn to be faithful even in the prison cell of our circumstances. Somebody say amen. You guys are really, really quiet. Are you with me? God was preparing Joseph, you see, for a time still future. God was preparing Joseph for a day when Pharaoh would call. It's a couple of weeks ahead in our journey through the summer here in Joseph's life. But God saw it all before time began. God was getting Joseph ready for the day when his window of opportunity would present itself. A day when Joseph would be summoned from prison and his defining moment would be there for the taking. And in that moment, Joseph would stand before Pharaoh. It was Winston Churchill who said, To each there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing, unique to them, fitted to their talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. It's sad that so many of us buck against the training God sends our way. In our Western prosperity, we've come to think Favor comes easy. Not so. Public victory is often labored for behind the scenes. The boxing champ is carried off on everyone's shoulder. And, and we say, great to be him. But not at 4.30 in the morning when he's doing his road work before he heads to the gym to work out. Great to be him, we say. But not when he skips dessert, studies film for hours, and goes to bed at 8 p.m. so he can rise at 3 a.m. to do it all over again. Public victory is wrought in the realm of the private. It's in the prison of your circumstances when you have to be wise enough to learn all you can and can all you learn in anticipation of the day that Pharaoh calls, the day when you are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and called to do a very special thing. Lots happens behind the scenes in the lives of successful people and it starts with the right mindset. Let me give you five right mindsets in the prison of life's circumstances. Five right mindsets in the prison of life's circumstances. Number one, think big picture. You have to think beyond the moment. You have to think beyond today. Think big picture. You have to be able to say to yourself, I wonder what God is up to. I wonder what God has in store. I wonder what God is preparing me for. Those are the things that someone that has a right mindset to deal with the adversity of their circumstances and he thinks big picture, that's what he says to himself. I wonder what God is up to. Second, embrace the process. You see, the result comes after the process and you can't have the result unless you have the process embrace the process you can't skip the process number three know God is preparing you for something yet future there's a day coming dot 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 there's a day coming Number four, sing on this side of the answer. Anybody can sing on the other side. It doesn't take faith to sing on the other side of the answer. Sing on this side of the answer. Number five, be ready when opportunity comes your way. Be ready when Pharaoh calls. In just a couple of weeks, Pharaoh will summon Joseph from the prison cell. Do your part get all the prerequisites in. When I went into ministry, I was a middle-aged nobody. Who would ever hire me? So I seized every opportunity I could. I took all of my classes, and I got my license to preach. Then after the required two years in the field, as soon as the assemblies of God allowed, I was ordained. I spoke whenever and wherever anyone invited me. If they needed a warm body, I was there. I preached at the Salvation Army here in Superior. Many times at the Hawthorne Assembly. uh, Several times at Lakeside Baptist when they were between pastors. Prince of Peace over in Duluth numerous times. And even at a tiny four square church across the bridge I did Maranatha chapels. Whenever they asked me, I still do. I led small groups here. I taught Sunday school here, filled in when our pastor here at Central Assembly was out of town. I didn't know how all of that would turn out. I just tried to be faithful. I wanted to pay my dues. I wanted to learn. I wanted to grow. I wanted to do all the prerequisites so I was ready for the day when Pharaoh called. In order to be ready for that day when opportunity tapped me on the shoulder, I knew I had to be faithful in the prison of my circumstances. Maybe you feel like your circumstances are a prison. It could be. I don't minimize where you find yourselves today. But you can still be a man of character there. You can still be a woman of character there in the prison of your circumstances. You can still work hard in the prison of your circumstances. You can still enjoy church, the presence of God in the prison of your circumstances. And you can still find a way to prosper. You can still bloom where you're planted even in the prison of your circumstances. Think big picture. Embrace the process. Know God is preparing you for something still future. Sing on this side of the answer and be ready when opportunity comes its way. Would you bow your head with me? Lord, sometimes it just doesn't happen the way we think it should. Lord, I I think that would be a universal truth here. We've all found ourselves in situations that we thought would be different. We thought we would climb the company ladder faster. We thought we would have a different job by now. We'd be making much more money. We thought our family would look a lot different. We find ourselves In the prison of our circumstances, perhaps some of it's of our own doing, and perhaps some of it's just the hand we were dealt. What do we do? We're faced with the same choice Joseph was faced with. Who could blame him if he curled up in the fetal position and lamented his fate? Why me? It doesn't seem as though Joseph ever did that. He just found a way to be faithful he just found a way to see God in it he just found a way to prosper Lord I want that I want that to be said of me I want that to be said of us the people of Central Assembly are different they seem to find favor wherever they go they seem to have a different attitude. They seem to be able to sing before they get the answer. They seem to be able to trust God even in the midst of adversity and pain and heartache and grief. They're different. But Lord, I know that doesn't happen unless we know Jesus. I know that doesn't happen unless we've been born again. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Because you see, those things can't really happen, at least in all of their fullness, unless you have an eternal perspective. Unless you know that Jesus has saved your soul, he's gone before you to heaven. The Bible says he's gone to prepare a place for you and for me. So if you've never received him as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And that doesn't mean you're joining our church. It really just means you're you're acknowledging that you're a sinner. The Bible teaches very clearly that we all fall short. We need a Savior. God sent his only begotten Son into the world to die for our sins. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. If you need Jesus this morning, you've never surrendered your life to him. You've never acknowledged to him that you're a sinner. You've tried to be good on your own. This morning you're saying, God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior named Jesus. If that's you, slip up your hand so I can include you in our closing prayer in just a moment or two. Slip up your hand say, Tom, I need Jesus today. Church, would you pray with me? Would you pray for the one whose heart is pounding, who's wanting to make a decision for Jesus but feels uncertain? Would you you pray for that soul today? If you need Jesus today, slip up your hand so I can include you in our closing prayer. You need Jesus this morning. You're confessing your sins, acknowledging him as your Savior. All right, for the rest of us, maybe... Maybe it's your circumstances today. And you recognize that you've kind of given up. And from today's message and Joseph's story, you're acknowledging that that you need to look to Jesus, prosper in the prison cell of your circumstances. If that's you today, if something in the sermon resonated in your heart, personally, would you slip up your hand? Lord, thank you for all the hands that have gone up. Their heart is open and tender and ready to receive from you. Lord, I pray you'd help us in our circumstances. Lord, I don't minimize anyone's circumstances. They can be the prison cell of of adversity. Lord, even in that situation, even in our circumstances, we can prosper. If we continue to be faithful for a man, a woman of character, if we recognize that we can be in the presence of God, in the prison of our circumstances, Lord, you can do great things in us and then through us. And so we give it all to you like Joseph, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen.